I'm Carrie Benedett, and this is my podcast, Thriving Matters, where you will find tools to revitalise you and your relationships, whether at work or in your personal life. Well, a little bit about me. I'm an education consultant specialising in emotional intelligence, and I use creative approaches that empower people with proven processes. I'm known for my high energy, passion and compassion for those in need of help. And I like to shine a spotlight on what we can do. I'm here to bring positivity, confidence and strength every day, everywhere. My mantra in life has been, let's give it a red hot shot. Welcome to another episode of Thriving Matters, where we talk about all things thriving in life and work. And our guests usually have a fantastic story of how they have thrived through adversity and challenge and are passionate about what they do. Now, this episode, we have Caroline O'Connor from Ireland with us, and um, it's a very nice welcome. It's uh, very early in the morning for you, Caroline, Caroline, and it's evening here in in Sydney, Australia. How are you? I'm great, thanks. (laughs) So... We're going to talk a little bit about your wonderful program, and I know that that's what um, that really attracted me to to talk to you about this and how you came about doing it. But I usually ask our um, guests what it is that gets them out of bed most mornings. What is it that gives them that little bit of sparkle, that jump to say, hey, brand new day? What does it for you? I suppose for me, it's um, having finally found my purpose and finding that feeling of knowing what my trajectory of success is Um, and having hit a really rough patch a couple of years ago and really pulling myself apart to put myself back together again. Um, So for me, getting out of bed in the morning, it is not just my kids and my family, it is everything that I do, which helps young people to understand their mental and emotional well-being. Yeah. And what better cause? You have two daughters yourself, yes? Yes, I do. <laughs> Pre-teens, just Pre-teens. about. Okay, in those teenage years. Caroline, before you, um, you, you worked on your program, that you developed this, you had a lot of um, professional experience in retail, in food, um, and there's a bit of a story that goes with that as well, isn't there? Absolutely. Um, I suppose when I, I had worked from a young age, so my father had been a business partner and we had all worked with him during school holidays from the age of 14. So work was something that was instilled in us. And uh, as the youngest of six children, I used to joke that I was the natural mediator because I solved more fights and arguments than I think most negotiators would have to deal with in a lifetime. Um, But I I worked hard and I went to college. I pushed myself forward and went to college. And at a time when Ireland was coming out of a recession, um, I went to the UK and I studied hotel management. I went and did my master's and started grabbing at every opportunity that was coming my way. And was really kind of on this fast pathway of, you know, um, education, um, buying my own home, getting engaged, getting married, having my first child, all happened really quickly. You know, well, in the space of 10 years, you know, which is really quickly when you consider our lifetime. And, um, and I thought, you know, I was on this path to success and everything was going really well and it was all great. And um, I, my dad had passed away when I was 21 and my mother was diagnosed with Alzheimer's uh, when I was about 32. Oh. And, um, and I, like, it was like the brakes just got put on everything and I stopped and I hit that point where, you know, we traveled and uh, we'd moved because of the, the recession in Ireland back in the late um, 2010s. And when I kind of stopped and took a breath, I recognized that I had hit my dream job. You know, we'd come back to Ireland after that spout in England. I had my dream job. I loved what I was doing. I was working really hard. I was earning, I felt successful in my job, but I wasn't happy. 
And I didn't see my children from one end of the day to the other because it was commuter and it was up early in the morning and dropping them to crash and, you know, working really hard, coming home, picking them up. And, um, and I just found myself taking a step back going, this isn't right. You know, success shouldn't mean that I have to compromise on what is one of the biggest parts of my life and, and something that I had desperately wanted was to be a mum and I wasn't getting the opportunity to be a mum because somebody else was raising my kids in crash all day mm. and my personal relationship sacrificed because of it and and that fell apart and at that time when I was going through all that change of you know who am I what do I stand for what are my values um, and was starting to date again I recognized how bloody boring I was because all I'd ever done was work and be a mum, And, you know, I loved food and I, I was a food buyer at the time and really passionate about cooking and being creative and experimenting with food. And I remember filling out a dating profile and going, I wouldn't date me. Like, this is really boring. And, and, and I had to learn to, to, first of all, to date myself and to start to build myself back up and then to start finding what my passions were. Yeah. And I, I got back involved with um, a youth group and I started volunteering with a youth group that I had been involved with when I was about 16. So here in Ireland, there's a program called Transition Year, which is within our education cycle. And um, I was looking at our local town and I was kind of going, okay, in a couple of years time, my kids are going to need something like this mm. and there's nothing set up. Maybe it's time to, to get up off my backside and go and do something about it. I was like, dating's on the back burner because that's not going to happen for now. And, um, and I roped in a couple of people and I got great support and we opened up a youth club in our local town. And it was just like the start of a snowball that happened. Um, between the years of getting experience of working with young people, and I suppose, you know, we, we joke about this, myself and, and one of our other leaders, we worked together at the time in the same company. And we walked out of work that, that first night that club was happening. And we looked at each other and went, we don't like teenagers. We've no experience of teenagers. <laughs> what are we doing? <laughs> right? And, and, and we just went, okay, there's obviously, there's some reason why we're meant to do this. Yeah. So let's just go with it. And as you say, give it a red hot shot and see what happens. Yeah. And uh, yeah, massive changes, massive changes in me, in my life, in finding my purpose, in recognizing what were my boundaries and what I was capable of doing. Um, and I suppose doing that, I kind of tripped across one of my first big life lessons, which was finding Volanesia. And there is a fantastic guy here called Matt English, who's head of Special Olympics Ireland. And Matt first introduced me to this um, idea or this concept of Volanesia, where you get so involved in giving that and you gain so much from it you forget that you're giving your time or giving your energy or donating anything towards it because you gain so much from doing that and that, that was the first big like light bulb moment yeah. for me that I had and from there um yeah from there I suppose I started to um to challenge myself more you know to to pick myself apart and um and not just through situations that were happening with the club or with work or with you know with starting to try and date um but to really kind of question what I stood for and what my my values were and what those boundaries were and what happiness was going to mean for me and trying to spend as much time as I could with my children and I recognized that one of the next big things I was going to have to do was to sort out my, my work balance and what that meant. To find something that I was gonna be really passionate about, but at the same time, being able to do it around my own children. And like, there's nothing more crushing as a mother that if your child is sick and you still have to go to work because there's a meeting on or it's somebody's yeah. flown in from somewhere to meet you for just hug. something. Yeah. Like that pressure 
used to just absolutely crush me. And I used to let it crush myself. And I used to destroy myself over it. And I had to stop doing that. Mm. And I had to recognize what were the steps I needed to take to change that within myself. So I kind of hit a point about two years ago, two and a half years ago. And I had started to recognize that I wanted to set up my own business. No idea what or how or how I was going to do it or afford to do it or anything like that. And I was in, I was working at the time and I just, something happened and I just went like, my boundaries are crossed. I'm not doing this anymore. This doesn't represent me and I'm not thriving in this situation. Mm. And I just, and I quit my job and I walked out and went, what am I going to do now? (laughs) Um, So having no idea what supports but what you're, what you're um, actually sharing with us is quite a heightened sense of self-awareness. Very much so. Yeah, yeah. Very much so. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and, and I, I walked out of my job and I went to our local uh, social welfare office. And I said, <laughs> um, like, what do I do now whilst I try and get another job? And, and I was confident that I would get another job and I was interviewing and so on. And... Um, And they turned around and said, have you ever thought about starting your own business? And I went, well, actually I have. So an idea had been starting to mull in my head for Mm. a couple of months. And again, from the youth group, from kids talking in the youth group, from my experience of um, training people, recruiting people, um, developing young people, you know, working with graduates. And I just went, there's something in that. And I don't know what it is yet, but there's something in that. And they said, look, you know, we've got this program where you can get supports for nine months while you go off and explore a business idea. And I went, excellent. Now, well, like amazing. Now is the time to do it if I'm ever going to do it. Yep. Yep. Just coming into summer holidays here. So my kids were delighted because it meant that they knew I was going to be at home for the summer. And there was lots of supports. And like, I was really pushed really pushed to the limits of my soul in in really trying to um try everything new all at once you know complete shift change from being you know really professional really corporate and like wearing suits every day to like getting up in a hoodie and jeans and kind of going okay I have to motivate myself and I have to I have to do all of this for myself and for my kids and for my family and this whole other opportunity opened up through funding that's provided here um, through something called Springboard, where you can get third level education for free if you are on one of these um, education supports or if you're unemployed. Uh And I got a plate and like this course appeared on my Facebook page. You know, when people joke about like Facebook and, and all these things listening to you, well, do you know what? Sometimes it's good because this course appeared on my Facebook page and it was a postgrad certificate in creative thinking, innovation and entrepreneurship in Trinity College in Dublin. Right? And I just went, wow. No brainer, no brainer. No brainer, no brainer. Apart from two kids, a commute to Dublin, trying to figure out and, and then all that, that stuff starts creeping in about what if they're sick and what do I do and how do I manage all of this? And I have a, a great group, group of girlfriends uh, through a women's cross networking group from a few years ago. And I met them and said it to them. And the three of them just looked at me and just went, just do it. Like, if it goes wrong, it goes wrong, but just do it. Yeah. And I had been one of these people who was so afraid of failing all the time that I just went, okay, okay, maybe I need to do this and just give it a shot and see what happens. Long story short, I got involved in their entrepreneurial society. I got so much experience and in front of so many people who really inspired me, <clears throat> people who were thriving on a day-to-day basis. Mm. And it was just like, it was like coming into an environment where there was blue sky all the time mm. because the energy was completely different. People were excited. They were innovative. They were creative. And I just went, like, where has this been all my life? Yeah. And um, 
and I, and I pushed myself, like I was terrified about doing, you know, speaking in front of people and doing three minute pitches. I'd never done any of this before. And I just went, go for it, go for it, go for it. And it was like, my dad was in my ear going, just do it. Like, no matter what happens, do it. And if you fail, you fail, just do it. Yeah. And, and I did, and we finished the course um, literally a year ago. And then a week later we went into lockdown and it was like, oh God, what happens now? So we're sitting at home oh. and, and it was St. Patrick's day last year. We're sitting at home and my kids were at home. They'd been sent home from school. And I remember just going like, what happens now? And that little bit of panic starting to kind of set in. And, um, and next thing we became sick. So myself and the two girls became sick. We got a really bad dose of something. We don't know if it was COVID because we didn't get tested, but we had a lot of the symptoms of it, but we were in that first batch. And at the end of it, I just kind of came out of it and went, okay, health is priority first and foremost. Family, let's see what we do with the business thereafter. So I went through that phase last year of going like, do I do this? Do I not do it? Like, starting to again make lots of decisions about it and my sister who I'm the youngest of six children so I have four brothers and a sister and my sister has always been very straight talking and I was on the phone to her one day and we were talking about it her son is he's now of the age of the kind of students that I would be working with and she just turned around to me and she just went stop just you have to do this (laughs) like there was no question about having a choice in the matter she just like took that decision away from me she went you you've been this whole journey that you've been on you have to do this so figure it out and go and do it and I just went okay cheers Corn. cheers Corn. as well as uh, I've got the rod here off you go I'm going to give you a cry the firing squad (laughs) yeah 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 you've an older sister yeah it's firing squad but really, what you've what you've done is just show show or, or share with everybody how how really you're you're human. You're you're very normal in all the feelings that you you felt. You it was a roller coaster ride. Um, opportunity came. It was there, and you took it up. You didn't go. Actually, I don't think I can't do this. I'm going to have a go. I'll have a crack. Um, yeah, you're going to give it that red hot shot. So there's always. I mean, any time of thrive when we talk about thriving, it's not easy. It's not easy to, to, um, you know, to be able to park a whole lot of things sometimes when they start to crash, crashing on you. Um, it's, it's hard to keep a momentum, especially during lockdown. And when you, you had been sick, wouldn't surprise me if you did actually have, have COVID very, very early on. Because I think the, the, the germ, the, the, um, the virus was actually around, much earlier but we just didn't recognize and that's what it's saying but it gives you time doesn't it It gives you time to actually think about what's the most valuable absolutely and um, I suppose from there I started to really pull apart the what we were going to do with with aged and to pull apart the program and as I was and I remember that that moment of my eldest daughter had a really high fever one of those nights and she went up to I think it was about 40.5 degrees Celsius, like crazy mm. high, you know, mm. considering having to bring her to hospital. And, and I remember just going, you know, I have to be around for her, uh, but I have to put my life vest on first. I have to look after myself so that I can be there for them. And mm. that whole light bulb of the only permanent person in my life is me because my kids are growing, are going to grow up, they're going to move on. And as much as, you know, as mothers, we try and put our kids first, or we do that all the time, we have to look after ourselves first. And it's not selfish. It's actually about being able to support those people around us. And that was a big, that was a big kick up the backside for me, because I wasn't doing that. I really wasn't doing that. And I was burning out a lot. Um, And I had to kind of stop myself and go, okay. And that kind of moment really kicked in, I suppose, about, again, it was about two and a half years ago. And and I stopped smoking. 
And I used to smoke when I worked in that job that I loved that I was really passionate about. I, I was smoking about 40 cigarettes a day and it was awful. I hated it and I hated myself for it. And it was another way that I was beating myself up and I was self-sabotaging all the time. And I was telling myself how awful a person I was because I was killing myself in front of my kids. And I went, no, that th this has to stop because I have to protect me for their sake. And, um, and that was when I learned to do goal setting, which was something that I've brought into the, the age program. And I now mm -hmm. teach that to young people to do, but that was another huge life lesson for me and, and a big achievement because I had smoked for most of my life with the exception of kind of a, probably about an eight year block when the children were really small. I'd smoked since I was 14. Yeah. And it was only yeah. when I looked back and went, hang on, what's he doing? You know, why was I doing something? I know that it's a ridiculous thing to do. I know that I'm wasting money. I know that I'm killing my lungs. Why am I doing it? Well, that's the and question, started, isn't it? That's the question. Uh, why? Why? And yeah. that's it. When you do that five whys and you question yourself all the time and you just dig it down, I kind of went, I actually can't give any decent reason for it. So I have to stop it. And often we get into habits that we have forgotten the reason why we actually picked it up in the first place. It just becomes a absolutely. Habit. Yeah. Now, absolutely. You just said the name of your program. So let's let's go back to tell everybody what what Eshet is. And you so Eshet is. Um, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> that's okay. Eshet is an Irish word, and Eshet means to hear. So in school, the teacher, when they're looking for your attention, they would say Eshed to get your attention. Okay. But it means to listen or to hear. Okay. But Eshed is also an acronym for emotionally intelligent, skilled, happy teens. Okay. And we joke and say, if you jumble the letters up, you can create two other five letter words. One of them is heist and the other one is shite. And we don't want you to do that. So this is why it's important to age and do this for yourself. And it tends to break the ice in any classroom situation I've been in. They kind of, they kind of realize I'm human. I'm not just a, a teacher pod coming in to talk to them. Um, but it's something that has massively developed and it covers, you know, a number of different areas within emotional intelligence and developing recognizing that you have the capacity to develop this yourself and that our emotional intelligence is a muscle and it's something that we have to work on and you yeah. have to choose with intention to do it mm. but really how it also connects into your mental well-being and that was the big eye-opener for me so I trained as a youth mental health first aider back in September of last year through, men through mental health uh, first aid Ireland mm -hmm. and I was on the first cohort of people who were trained specifically to work with youth so 12 to 17 18 year olds and having heard the statistics and having recognized what was going on i suppose the first thing for me was i had a big leap to come across when it came to understanding and being able to empathize mental health and what that really means because i had grown up in a very catholic family where we were told in no uncertain way that suicide was a sin and that you know it was um, it wasn't to be spoken about and I remember just going that's not right at all and when I started to look back through my own life and go through that self-awareness piece of pulling myself apart and going hang on like I've had depression I've had anxiety I've had suicidal thoughts I've had panic attacks I've had OCD I've had all these things happen in small little tiny pieces but they're all part of my mental health. Mm. And I was suppressing all of those feelings because I had been told that it was a sin. And that was a big piece that I had to come across. So I really wanted to understand mental health and mental health first aid more so that I would be able to help other people. And when I did that, I recognized that all the tools that we've been developing and pulling together as part of the AISH program this all connected and it was like okay so hang on in order to do this you need to do this this and this and there was lots of aha moments of you know okay if we can teach them to do 
gratitude, if we can teach them about self-esteem, if we can teach them about optimism and happiness and well-being and impulse control, and then it ties into consent, and then it ties into understanding sexuality and not putting yourself in a position where you're going to undermine your own mental well-being. Yeah. And it was just like, okay, right. So then I started getting out into schools and started testing it and trialing it with students. And the responses were outstanding. You know, and even the very, I remember the very first session that I did and being petrified. <laughs> and it was in a school where my friend was the, the transition year, she was the head of the transition year program. And I remember just being like, like, it was pieces of paper. We hadn't even got the workbooks created at this stage. And the students turned around to her and said, no, this is the stuff that we should be learning in school. The kids and I kind of went, the kids know. Okay. Yeah. This, this is, this is big. Mm. And I reached out to um, a couple of other organizations and, and started researching to see who else was out there and what was being done and kind of went, okay, nothing's being done in this format, in this way. And then we went back into another lockdown and, and there was restrictions about how people could meet outside. And at the same time, you know, we're still running the youth group online. We've completely <laughs> pulled that apart and put it back together. So innovation came a big part in that. And I kind of went, okay, maybe I should start doing some online stuff and some um, so like after school clubs. So we launched after school clubs back in November and worked with young people from around the country and the great thing was that none of them knew each other. So separate to a classroom environment where you're kind of worried about what yeah. the consequences are going to be if you say something yeah. with the after school environment, it was like, okay, I don't know any of these people. They're from like every corner of the country. So I can literally say whatever the hell I want so because it's how I'm feeling and have that validated and recognize there's other people going through this as well. So safe, safe connections. That was, there was safety, safety. In there. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and I started doing the sessions as well for my own youth group. And I started doing it for another youth group as well. And, um, and around that time, it was kind of around early December of last year. And I got some feedback. So I always ask for feedback from schools and I always ask for feedback from students. And I got a piece of feedback from a student and they said, since your workshop last week, I haven't cut myself. And that was my sparkling moment. Wow. That was my purpose. That was, this is why I'm doing this, you know. And Absolutely. you know, I've been in situations where I've helped young people through through mental health first aid, and seeing young people who don't recognize their value or recognize that they deserve to get help, or because they've been unkind or did something nasty to somebody else, they don't don't think that they deserve mm -hmm. to get help or support or love. Oh, we need to change that. That it's, just has to change. You know, I keep. Um, I'm a mum of four. You're a mum of two. We've there's 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 all all of us are sons and daughters, babies of some of some someone. And you look at the absolute magnificence of life, and you just go, how how can we allow situations, um, circumstances, an environment to actually not nurture that? that beautiful magnificence that we are. In actual fact, we have massive problems in our country as well, all around the world. There are children being abused, um, mis mistreated, sexually abused, you name it, harassed. But even when we treat each other, as, um, our interpersonal skills are, so are sometimes abusive as well. You know, so there's 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 much that we can learn, and um, I I do think we could really look at the curriculums for our for our young tots, our young people, in those formative years, all around naming how they feel, showing acts of kindness. I've got um I've got a few little grandchildren, and um they do acts of they talk about it. We're doing some acts of kindness today, and um and and you know they get just look at people in the eyes. So you come with me, it'll, you, we will be safe. We'll do this together. So you've got that, you know, that road of, of in, interdependence on the way through. But it never ceases to amaze me that we go and gar over these beautiful babies when they're born. And then for some reason, their life doesn't quite turn out the way that it, the way that it possibly could. 
the other part of it though which is what you're you're doing is being able to help them develop their own resiliency skills and that's crucial it's not that you know we're treated well by everybody else but we actually have to treat ourselves well and we actually have to grow some what I'd like to call the crocodile skin the layers of the skin so that we we've got the, the toolkit for the resilience mm -hmm. and and being empathetic for ourselves and others so I think what I think I just love that story of your young your young girl who told you that she hadn't she wasn't cutting herself anymore. That is priceless. That's gold. That's the best evaluation you could get. Oh, I think I burst into tears when I read it. Oh. You know, to see that you that you can that you know I as a normal Joe soap mother of two, you know, child of six can do something like that and have that kind of an impact on somebody and that that was like okay you know and when you talk about resilience I think it's really interesting because sometimes I've come across people who think that resilience is about having almost like a thick skin and kind of suppressing how they're feeling in order to be able to cope with whatever the situation is I think resilience is completely different I think resilience is actually recognizing that you know, and, and I'm going to use John Murray's phrase, we're all squishy things uh -huh. that, you know, we, um, we need to recognize that our naivety or our empathy or self-awareness or our kindness and compassion aren't weaknesses. They actually help us to continue to be resilient and to be able to adapt a lot quicker than people who put the hard skin up. Uh -huh. I think that's a great distinction and a really nice definition that you've actually actually shared yeah it's beautiful because you're right because a lot of people think resilience is about bungee jumping you know you've got that rope around your leg you, you off the cliff you go off the bridge and you keep bouncing back there's a notion of being able to manage or to know what your skill set is or your what your resources are but it's it's, it's not necessarily um an active thing sometimes i was listening um to a podcast yesterday and um, the phrase has stayed with me all day I keep thinking they were talking about courage and courage often is not seen it's you you whisper it to yourself and I and I fell in love with that yesterday I went oh I'm going to use that so there you go we've, we've been able to apply it but yeah it, it's it, to show to be to be silent perhaps or not to be boisterous in all that we do um, there's there's another way of being able to operate so that we we, we can be steely. We we just start developing that grit that we've got. That no matter what happens, there will be people who who will help us. There will be resources we can rely on. There's not only ourselves, but there, there's plenty that we're not alone. And that's one of the saddest things about our, our teenagers. They feel that they are totally alone. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's the loneliness, but it's also they, they're only starting to come across the kindness of strangers and starting mm -hmm. to recognize that there are good people out there who are willing to help you without seeking anything in return. Yeah, no expectation. Yeah, completely. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, like I think as well, a great one that I heard yesterday, and, and it's something I bang on about a lot with my teens in any of my groups that I do is about learning to fail and then how do you come back from failing yeah. and I heard somebody yesterday say fail to fail stands for first attempt in learning yes yes I just went yeah that's a great way to look at it so try you it again let's it. do it again <laughs> yeah it's like yeah. a shift in mindset you know yeah. fail is a first attempt in learning okay so try it again you know, you, you might do your driving test multiple times. You might do exams multiple times. Yeah. But every single teenager I'm coming across is so afraid of failing yeah. that they're building anxiety and they're developing their own mental illness on the back of this fear of failure. Well, we, we have a society that um, is instant, is looking for perfection, We whether we have to have the eyebrows done, whether it's the nails, whether it's the implants, whether it's the, the additives into our, to make our lips bigger, uh, whether it's the size of for, for women, it's that, that whole perception around figure. Men, 
men at the moment. They're, I think they're fairly well feeling the pressure as well. The, 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 um, the abs, uh, you know, the various things that they're doing. So it's, there's a lot about that. What I was just going to ask you um, was this notion of failure. Um, if you if you had a crystal ball, would there be anything in your journey that you've shared with us today that you might change on the way through? No, because ah. I shifted my mindset a number of years ago to recognize that anytime I failed at something, there was something I had to learn from it. Yeah. And and actually, I saw an interview with Anthony Hopkins recently, and he and he said something fairly similar. And I kind of went, oh, "Okay, that's not that's good." Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I suppose you know, again, growing up as the youngest of six kids, there was a mm. lot of expectation, mm. and there was a lot of pressure. And I suppose I learned early on from other people's mistakes, and learned how to negotiate my way around different situations. But there was a lot of pressure when I went to college about, you know, being the, the only the second of us to actually go to college yeah. and the only and the, the second to go straight from school to college. And there was a lot of pressure then about, you know, where I worked and, you know, my siblings are all they're all high achievers and like that brought a lot of pressure for a long time you know and it was who did you work for what was the company what was the brand you worked for you know and yeah. it was almost like a bragging thing mm. and I kind of I stood back a couple of years ago and went this is rubbish like complete yeah. rubbish who cares and it, and who it cares consumed who you us. work for it consumed us yeah I'm I'm on the opposite side of you eldest of six Catholic family, and we have we have religious in the family. Don't you worry. Um, yes, and it was church, shop, tennis, and that was that was our that was a, a country town that we grew up in. And really, the lessons we learned were gifts, were absolute gifts. When you at the time growing up through them, you you probably didn't think that they were. <laughs> But um, yeah, and the similar things. So the end, you know, the, the end of the family or the beginning of a family, there's often often something there. And the kid and the teenagers you're you, you're working with, their families could very well be probably smaller, the smaller sizes. But they're blended families. They're all they're what I call I call my kids the licorice all sorts, and um, they they actually like it. They go, Mum, I think the licorice all sorts are just. Are just being a little bit energetic in the lolly bag today. That's right. I know what you're up to, you lot. But um, it's it's a thing. You you've got licorice all sorts in all in all your your groups, um, and bringing them together in a, in a environment of safety is a beautiful mm -hmm. ecosystem for them to to actually to to flap their wings in safety in a way to be curious and to find out the correct information to work out how they can build their own their own skill set. You know. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. They, they always leave. Sorry, they always leave with my my final message with them is always, you know, happy people don't go around destroying themselves or destroying others. So to be very mindful about how they impact themselves and how they impact the other people around them. Mm -hmm. And that would uh, I imagine there'd be a bit of silence when you you actually land that line and uh, it's some thinking, yeah. Uh, definitely now tell me has there been um now you, you've you've had a lot of life experience if i said to you what's what are the roles of mentors or a significant other people has there been someone or an experience that's been quite significant apart from what you've already told us i suppose i've been lucky to have a lot of great influences and really positive influences in my life and like from great bosses through to my sister and my eldest brother and you know to friends who've had a really big impact on me um, and I think that we all have the opportunity to to mentor without it being like in a, a strict 
pattern or a program, you know, we all have the capacity to have a positive impact on the people around us. Mm. And I think I've been really lucky to have some amazing people around me, you know, whether it's been pushing creativity, pushing entrepreneurship, pushing innovation, um, understanding relationships um, ha has been an amazing one. You know, I still remember, um, and actually something that really stuck with me when I went through my own separation was, I worked with a, an amazing couple, amazing team over in England when I was doing my master's and it was a gingerbread company and they were, they had formerly been husband and wife, but they had separated and they had a daughter together and they both worked in this company together. It was their business. It was their family business and they still worked and they were able to be amicable and they were able to have a really good, you know, working relationship and they were able to talk about their daughter and, and I remember just going, like, I've never seen something like this before. Yeah. And that had a really big impact on me because when myself and my ex-husband split, we agreed the same terms. You know, we said, okay, we are going to be amicable through whatever's happened. Hmm. And we're going to do this for the sake of the future of our relationship with our girls. Hmm. And that had a massive impact on my life. That one little thing, that one, you know, I think I worked there for about three, three weeks on a work placement but it had a huge impact but it was enough it was enough for you to see something very different and but also something that was possible to do absolutely yeah and being conscious about the choices that i make and whether that's choosing to thrive whether that's choosing to be happy whether it's choosing to not let stress get on top of me mm. you know they're my choices that I make and I take responsibility for whatever the outcomes are of those choices, but it's being intentional and making choices and acting with integrity and doing what I say I'm going to do has been huge. Thank you. Thank you. And I'm, I'm just wondering, so have you got a dream to the future? Have you got a dream? I mean, it's very, very different times. It's uncertain. It's, there's a whole lot of uncertainty. We're not quite sure. Um, what's going to happen but have you got a dream is there something that's bubbling away there's a number of different dreams when it comes to um getting aged into the hands of more young people and being able to make them understand what they're capable of um in terms of personal goals, you know, I've a bucket list the length of my arm of places <laughs> I want to travel to and things I want to do and skills yeah. I want to learn. Yeah. Um, there's no one big, huge thing. You know, I, I suppose I've broken it down into lots of little things that I want to do and whether it's, and, and again, I always talk to, to my kids and to like my teens about making sure that they have a bucket list and their success list because as you start to tick that off, we know that as we, you know, work towards goals, we keep ourselves motivated, but mm. um, being able to go back and look through my bucket list, even in a lockdown and go, okay, I want to read this particular book. Okay, I'm gonna use the opportunity now to read that book or to watch this film or to, because I broke it down into such bite-sized pieces that it doesn't matter whether we're in lockdown or not, there's still stuff that I can do yeah. regardless of what's going on outside of my control. And that stuff is outside of my control. I can only control my behavior. I can only, you know, act with integrity. I can only, you know, wear my mask and wash my hands and stay away from people and, and not have people in my house. But I can do other things that will continue to help me to grow and develop during that time. And I think you've described thriving in such a good way there because when we use the word, and not everybody resonates with it, but when we use when we look at how we can thrive there are things that we can't we have no control over and i think that's just been a great example and yes lockdown is is a great example of what we don't have any control over however we have control over a number of things that we can do to make that um uh put some some structure into it if, if that's what we we're used to to put some enjoyment into the the relationship that, that we have whether it's it's meeting together in the family at a certain spot we have um we have a veranda out the back 
Um, and it became the pace we met at certain times during the day when we did it. And it was actually quite lovely. We now, and it's become one of the favourite spots. You can, it's covered, so you can actually go out and listen to the rain when it's when it's raining. You can go out and, and be part of the, you know, the southerly that blows up and watch the clouds go by. So there's that whole notion of access to outdoors is, is possible, even though mm -hmm. you know, you, you, you're indoors most of the time or you're limited. But I think you bring up a great point and that notion of not wasting a good worry on things we... Um, that we can't control. I think that's one of the one of the one of the AI skills that um, is sort of goes to all the competencies that we have. So being aware of how we're reacting when that when we can't control something, being able to watch what happens to other people. So how do we how do we you know still live in the same place or work with the same people who are actually reacting quite strongly to what it yeah. is that they have no control over? Yeah. Yeah, and I suppose you know. When we look at when we look at the pandemic and we look at how, you know, the, the four stages that we go through around um, pandemic behavior and whether it's you know coming through the, the denial or the fear or the um, the kind of the stagnation of yeah. not knowing what to do and then coming out the other side of adapting. I think a lot of us who have chosen to thrive and very much we choose to thrive have adapted and modified our behavior to be able to continue to thrive on a day-to-day -day basis and break it down into really small pieces within that. I, I think for me, you know, one of my frustrations is when you see people who <clears throat> go into a negative mindset, can't recognize that they are surrounding themselves with people who are also in a negative mindset and they are collectively stagnating mm. within this pandemic. And aren't taking any opportunity out of it and and that's concerning because that's a big group of people who um are supporting each other to fail but it's contagious as well and yeah it, it, it's once you're there in that environment it's it's very hard to be able to break away from it yeah it's quite contagious yeah exactly and and you know for us it's about you know taking a step back from those people and recognizing you know Yep. If that's draining your energy and those people are contagious, well, maybe you just need to actually, I'll see you after the pandemic. <laughs> I'll meet you for a coffee then. Well, we will be. We will be meeting for a coffee when this is all over and set and done. But um, just as we, um, one of the last things I was going to ask you um, uh, was, do you have a, a small routine? Do you have anything that you've actually got in place there, sort of non-negotiables? Um, that you do during the day that goes to this this notion of 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 being open in your mindset, being able to to thrive in in whatever gets thrown up at you. Um, okay, first thing first, you know, I'm a human being. My routine is terrible. It's my one big failure. I wish I could actually sort out my routine, but I can't. Um, for me, I try and do a couple of things each day, whether that is, you know, I'm creating videos for TikTok or whether it's, you know, writing something down or, or jotting something. But one of the biggest things for me actually over the last, particularly, I suppose we're in like our, I think we're in our fourth lockdown in Ireland. I have actually forgotten at this stage, right? Because it's all just a blur over the last 12 months. But this one in particular, I have found that my kids have struggled more with their mental health and I have struggled more with my mental health. So if I sit down to go and do something and I have a fog over my head, I go, okay, we're going for a walk. Come on, okay. doesn't matter. doesn't matter if you're about to do a Zoom call with your teacher. Come on, let's go. We're going for a walk. And getting us all moving and talking and making sure we're talking about how we feel and what's going on and not putting the pressure on that, you know, everything has to be done today if your schoolwork isn't done today it can be done tomorrow it's not the end of the world you know and if it's not done this week it'll be done over the weekend it's mm. fine mm. and being able to flex and adapt that way because there's nothing worse than sitting down to do a piece of work and nothing check. comes nothing comes <laughs> nothing tumbleweed comes <laughs> but that's it so that's that's been a really big learning this time around and actually recognizing you know, I'd, I'd heard time and time again how early our children can start being impacted with their mental health. And 
certainly in this lockdown, I've recognized it with both of my kids who are 12 and nine. Mm. So when we talk about it kicking in from eight years of age, you know, my youngest maid is nine and she's really struggled with concentration mm. and, and just can't, just can't cope and can't talk about it. And she's trying to find all the words. Like this kid is a little bubbling ball of self-esteem and confidence and she's witty and charismatic and she's sarcastic as can be very much able to defend herself, but just can't focus in on this. And then my older daughter yeah. is much more sensitive and she um, she experienced some anxiety the day after they announced the lockdown here to the point that it started to simulate a lot of the symptoms of COVID. And we were looking back going, there's no way she could have it. Like, like not in a million years could she, unless somebody walked past the front door who was rabid with it yeah. and it went through the vent into her bedroom, there was no way she could have got it. And took her through and rang the doctor and went and got her tested and the test came back negative. But for her, that was a big eye opener of kind of going, okay, that's, that's my mental health. That's, you know, I need yeah. to talk about this stuff and how I'm feeling. And she's been able to talk to her friends about it since because she was able to recognize it. Yeah. Um, so lots of learnings this time around um, and really just not putting too much pressure on ourselves. Well, I think one of the, one of the, the best things about that is that you're, you're, um, you're adaptable, you're actually flexible and you're looking at what's important right now in this minute. So I think you're not alone. That's what number one is. Number one, I'm, I'm a bit like you. The walk comes first. The walk, the walk comes first. And I know if I haven't had it, that I should have done it earlier on because <laughs> it affects the rest of the day. Oh, Caroline, I've had a, a lovely, enjoyable conversation tonight. We've covered many, many things. I'm really excited for your program um, and more excited that you're working with the teens. I think it's it's a it's a massive area and around the around the world. We should be re, we we have to actually look after our young people, their formative years, um, because they're going to be they'll be the parents and they'll be the leaders of tomorrow. So it's so important that we do this. Now, people Absolutely. want to find out more about what you do. What's your best contact um, details? So they can pop over to uh, the website, which is hteisht.ie, or you can find us on all social media channels. Beautiful. Thank you. Caroline O'Connor. Um, there's no different spelling in that. It's pretty well um, the, the, the way you spell Caroline with an O and then O'Connor, C-O-N-N-O-R. Um, and you're also on LinkedIn um, as, as well. Um, listen, if you'd like to know more about what I do, you can pop onto carriebenedette.com or you can pop onto Global, uh, Global Leaders Thrive, which is our global program that is currently featuring Caroline O'Connor on the 24th of March. But we're looking at leadership. We're looking at does culture affect leadership or does leadership affect culture? That's the main question. But we have a fantastic lens of culture, business and education that we're looking through. And the speakers, the presenters that we have from eight countries are absolutely sensational. And the wonderful thing is they all like people. They have high emotional intelligence skills themselves, but most importantly, they like people. So their story of leadership is about how they work with others and they give opportunity to others, exactly what Caroline's been talking to us tonight about. So thanks very much, everybody. Tune in again for another podcast, Thriving Matters. Your thriving does matter. You are precious, magnificent in all you do. And our takeaway from this evening, I think, should be that we all find Volunesia, the gift and the passion and the perhaps the addiction to giving. <laughs> we can put it that way. So over to you. I'll talk to you again. Carrie Benedict. Thanks again, Caroline. Lovely to talk to you tonight. And My pleasure. Today, today, this morning. Um, and uh, we will be seeing you on the 24th of March. Can't wait. Thanks everyone. Bye. Take good care of yourself. I'm Carrie Benedette and this is my podcast, Thriving Matters. 